listening to the first Rumination Thursday in 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my good friend, Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you this new year? I'm doing really good. Obviously, you didn't listen to yesterday's program. You were busy because I announced that tomorrow on Rumination Thursday, I'll be with Mark Smith. I heard it. Didn't I? You did hear that. I thought, oh, did you replace? <laughs> I tell you. Yes, but um, sorry for that mix up. And uh, Mark's sitting here thinking he was in here. So. Ah, is he going to join us? No, he's not. Oh. He's not here. <laughs> but we got a big crowd here at the uh, Synod. They have a seminar they're having about the items that were talked about at the Tampa Bay Convention about mm. how to reach out to individuals. And uh, they had so many people sign up that they have enough extras to set up another one, which they're going to do in April. So it's kind of wow, busy around here right now. But what we're, we're going to talk about is United Methodists Prepare for Changes. Yes, I thought it would be good for us to revisit it because we talked about it last year. And uh, it, it is uh, quite a topic among coffee clutches or luncheons between uh, groups of people, their friends and neighbors. Uh, other than just Methodists, there's a lot of discussion going on out there about it. Yes, and it's really interesting when Lutheranism kind of divided from Roman Catholicism, it was over the doctrine, namely justification by grace, through faith, on account of Christ. This is divided not on what we would call just doctrinal issues, but on moral issues, human sexuality, same-sex marriage, homosexuality, and so forth. And they're going to divide their denomination because they can't come to an agreement. Uh, or I'm going to put it this way. There's a large number of them who can't agree with the Bible. Right. And a lot of this all stems back to 1972 when the Methodists put in their their uh, book, uh, The Practice of Homosexuality Was Incompatible with Christian Teaching. So this has been going on since, uh, since 1972 that this has happened and, and brought to to the forefront last year at their conference when they voted to, to retain that language. And some says it's time for the split to occur. Yes, because so many United Methodist pastors, uh, a lot of them are homosexual. They married other people of the same sex, and they don't have any problem with abortion and these other things. We actually have some churches, uh, large ones, for example, Grace Fellowship Church of Katy, Texas, in December 2019, voted to leave the United Methodist Church. It's got 2,800 members, and they left over the debate on homosexuality. They follow Jesus Christ in contrast to those who do not. Yeah, what I find particularly interesting as we discuss this article it, it, the majority said, le- retain the language that homosexuality is incompatible. 
is it's not that uh, they can't be saved. It's just that it, it is a sin in in uh, what we commit according to God's word, and they're calling them what traditionalists. Yes. Well, there was a group of United Methodist individuals who came to a conclusion as to how to do the split. But when you take a look at it, it just so happens that the vast majority of them were quite liberal in their theology. And so they end up with a split, not where the liberals leave, but where the conservatives have to leave. I find that interesting. As it is, it, it talked about advocacy groups with diverse views. So it, it was doomed from the start. It, it was coming in with the, the traditionalist or the scriptural view was the minority to, at the very outset of their, of their planning. I personally don't believe that what this liberal group adopted is going to be adopted by the 2020 General Conference in the United Methodist Church, which is going to occur May 5 to May 15th in Minneapolis. That's the top decision-making body of the United Methodist Church, and it's a global gathering that meets every four years. Because if it's a global gathering, you're going to have the United Methodists from Africa participating. And it is basically the Methodists from Africa that consider homosexuality not to be tolerated in the Church of God. Uh, right. Yeah, you're reading the same material that I'm reading that seems to indicate that... Uh, this is all is written in stone. We may even see the proposal to be changed uh, a couple more times before before uh, May hits, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I really believe this because I take a look at the split that occurred in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. A lot of people remember that from the 70s where the faculty at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, decided to walk off campus because of what the New Orleans Convention had said about their individual John Teachin, uh, namely the president, that uh, he looked like he was going to be fired. What, what they forgot is that President Preuss had inaugurated or installed uh, Dr. Charlemagne, a professor at the seminary, and he wouldn't let the faculty come back unless they repented. And so they mm -hmm. became seminex, seminary in exile, and they finally joined the uh, ELCA church, which, of course, is led by a woman lesbian who's married to another woman, uh, okaying uh, abortion and all these things. That's how far... In fact, we don't even consider the ELCA to be Lutheran anymore uh, because of their teaching. But isn't that interesting? What happened is, fortunately, because of the laity, I believe, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we were able to withstand this ridiculous notion that the Seminex faculty did not believe the Bible. And it was they who had to leave, not the conservatives. 
I think your your last point is well taken, and it is not believing that the Bible is the Word of God. What we see here with the Methodists, as well as what you just described back in the seventies of Senate, is a man's view of what the Bible should say versus what. God's word has to say about it. How do you? How, what's your orientation to the view of the Bible? Yes, in fact, it was very familiar to me. Uh, this particular pastor from Grace Fellowship Church, who left the United Methodist, their whole congregation, he wrote something that we could have said about the seminary in St. Louis. In the last year, it has become clear to us that despite having biblical standards of morality on paper in the denomination's book of discipline, the leadership of the United Methodist Church is unable or unwilling to live by those standards. And all we have to do is change the word uh, morality to doctrine, and you're talking precisely about the ELCA at this point, that came about because of the Seminex uh, exile. Yeah, and it's interesting as you bring that up, uh, in one of the articles, uh, the comment section, they quoted uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental principles of the world. And they stopped there. And if you catch the rest of it, though, and not according to Christ. Yes. You know, the, the viewpoints that they want to use is, is an ori- orientation of what they, they think the Bible should say versus what, what is according to what Christ has said. Yeah, the one thing that I was somewhat surprised at is that the majority of churches and individuals in the United Methodist Church are really quite traditional in their understanding of the Scripture. So why are they the ones that have to leave? doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, well, if you go back to what, the, what the, this group was made of, it was advocacy groups with diverse views. So... They, they took homosexuality, you name it, type of views that, that were allowed to be a part of, of the group advocating how the split should, should occur. So the split occurred according to, to a man-made view exactly. of homosexuality being okay. I tell you, what they need to do is what we did in the Missouri Synod, where we begin to discipline uh, leadership of our what we call districts, who were not in line with the Bible. And for some reason, the conservatives don't want to be able to do that right now. They want this split instead. And what's interesting is the conservative churches have to have a vote. In fact, it's over 50% they have to have in order to leave the United Methodist Church. And that doesn't make any sense at all. And it sounds like the church property rights are part of the denomination? Yes. And they're going to be able to keep their property and uh, whatever else goes with that. So that was one change. And, of course, pensions aren't going to be affected. But it's really interesting that even though the majority in the United Methodist Church are conservative, it's really something 
that they're the ones that are going to have to leave. Makes no right. sense at all. And they claim it's the outside the United States, the African churches that, that are forcing the conservative. But uh, as you mentioned earlier, I don't think that it, it is just them. It's many in the congregations of the United Methodist Church uh, hold to what the Scripture says and not what, what man-made doctrine is saying. Yes, for the conservatives to have the majority... There's 12 million members worldwide of the United Methodist Church, of which 7 million are in the United States. So it's over a majority, but they still can't get a majority of everybody uh, to agree with their false teaching. Mm. I find that interesting. It's it's how Satan, Satan chooses to blind them, huh? Yes, I read a number of responses to this proposal to divide the uh, Methodists. Some people were for it because they want to be able to start worshiping and teaching uh, and practicing the way they should. But they're the ones that are going to be leaving and joining this new church. But I also found a number that were totally opposed to this proposal and the most interesting letters were those who talked about maybe joining other denominations. And oh. guess what denomination some of them thought they ought to join? Well, the only one I, I can think of that's uh, not uh, pro-abortion is pro-life and and uh, holds to homosexuality mar- marriage as being sinful would be Missouri Synod. That's right. They actually mem- mentioned the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And wow. one of the letters talked about uh, she had visited a LCMS church and how refreshing it was to hear God's word preached and that the majority of teaching that was being done was by men because they don't allow women ordination, she said. They're pro-life. Uh, they're pro six-day, 24-hour creation, and it was all the things she was looking for. And I I don't know if the split occurs, whether she'll join us or not, but last week at the congregations I'm preaching at, I had a prayer that the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod would really be open to receiving members of the United Methodist Church who are just fed up with what the leadership of the United Methodist Church is doing. You know, that's also true in ELCA, ELCA, because I have relatives and friends in the ELCA who are not near as liberal as the leadership of the ELCA and the convention delegates who actually booed a farmer who was a layman who quoted scripture uh, you you know this story well. And what had he said, and why did they reject him? Mm. Remember he used that Bible verse about Jesus? Yeah. That only through Jesus one is saved? Uh, you mean Acts 4.12? Uh, salvation, is, there's, there's no other name given among men exactly. by what we, we must be saved. And he was criticized by the Elka people because up on their stage they had 
well, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, etc. And they said, how dare you say something like that in front of these people? That was out of, actually out of John chapter 14, where he, he said, uh, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the That's life. Right. No one comes to the Father, but, but through me. I know the Father, and the Father knows me. And he was, in fact, when the convention voted as to whether or not they would agree with what the Bible said there, I think it was a 97% vote against what this uh, farmer had said, quoting Scripture. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was rather, for, I guess for us, a, a real shocker and an eye-opener that we reject knowing that, that we can know what God says only through Jesus Christ, and then they reject that. Well, they're not even doing mission work anymore because that's giving the impression that people who belong to other denominations cannot be saved. And so why are they doing mission work? It, It makes no sense at all. And so... This is really what we're dealing with, with the uh, ELCA, with the United Methodists, and other liberal denominations. The Missouri Synod and the Southern Baptists, and they were after us, were two denominations that were able to put a stop, uh, at least organizationally, against that liberal kind of theology. We've got, what, 35 district presidents. I don't know one of them who would say publicly that he's for abortion or homosexuality. Uh, none of them are uh, married to people of the same gender. That That's really something in this day and age. So we can expect the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, to come under a lot of attack uh, from these left-wingers. Right. And I think, you know, in thinking this through, it's a difference between what we call American constitutional freedom and what we talk about in freedom of the Bible because in, in the American Constitution everyone has the right to believe whatever they want not yes. forcing their will upon others but there's a difference when when it comes to the scripture if you believe what God has to say then you you place the mantle in that direction yes uh, for for example uh there there's no way and and that's what the uh, what do they call the liberal mob is trying to get churches to do, forcing them to marry same-sex marriages. And mm. there's no way that that's going to happen. Uh, e- even if the Supreme Court ruled that we should, we still won't because we believe God's word and we're still not suffering near as much as the early church did at least in the United States. Uh, There are a lot of Christians in other countries that are suffering to the point of death. But here, because of our Constitution and guidelines, we're able to continue to worship without having to worry about being forced to go contrary to God's Word. Right. It it, it amazes me because we have a a freedom of religion, and and it is a private sector separation of church and state, so... We should have the right to say who we're marrying and, and burying. Yes, and when I drive people. around to an Uber and I pick up people, only twice, and I've been doing it for three years now, only twice 
have I talked to people who are in the back seat when we talk theology who understand what I would say is Lutheran theology? Everybody else thinks that the purpose of the church is to help the poor, feed the hungry, build homes. They, they've changed it all into social things rather than the doctrine of how we are saved. And when I share with these people who don't know this, what the Bible really teaches, that you are justified by grace, not by your works at all, and due to the death of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many times that people will say, we've never heard this before. Well, and I think you're getting at at the very bottom of of all of this is what are they being told? What are they being preached? What are they being taught in their 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 churches? Is anything but salvation by grace? Yes, CFW Walther, who began our denomination or was the first president, I should say, he uh, wrote a thing: the sheep judge the pastors, the sheep judge yeah. the shepherds. The shepherd don't ever believe a pastor unless he can show it from Scripture. And if he can't show it from Scripture, you're talking to a false teacher, and you want to put your children under them? Uh, No wonder so many children are leaving the church these days. I'm reading articles about this. It's because of the nonsense that they're hearing in the vast majority of congregations that have left the message of the gospel for the for some other kind of message that puts a burden on the members in the congregation. You know, I always had open house with with my confirmation class. In other words, the parents or any member of the congregation could show up at the confirmation class and hear what we teach, and they they could come unannounced. It wouldn't make any difference to me. You know. Yeah, I tended I, not to do that because there are children that won't open up if their parents are sitting beside them. <laughs> oh, I had only one time in all the time that I, I taught confirmation did a parent show up. Otherwise, they 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 uh, pretty much accepted what, what was yes. being taught. Well, because a lot of our laity were brought up by proper Lutheran pastors who use the catechism, and they're well-versed in the teachings. Uh, it's not that you can't tell them something new every Sunday in the sermon that they've never really thought about. Uh, That's one of my goals. And then also in the sermon to end up with a note of comfort at the end. And that's what law and gospel is all about. But the United Methodists aren't splitting on the gospel. They're splitting on the law. They can't agree that God's law is especially his moral law is to be followed in our day today because they've decided that God didn't know what he was talking about. And that all we don't have enough time, but that all goes back to the higher criticism and higher critical method of how one views the Bible, whether it contains error or it's really the word of God and we accept it as the word of God. Yes. Uh, it's it's really a shame that there are so many people who are ignorant of the Bible. There's not many churches in Sunday school who keep going 
through the lessons. Concordia Publishing House has their new series that is just excellent. And there's even a portion where the parents can continue the lesson at home. So they'll send you a free copy at Concordia Publishing House. And we encourage you to get a free copy, examine it. And if you're a Lutheran pastor living, uh, listening to us, definitely uh, make a point of using it as your Sunday school material. Very good. I've got some good news for you. Oh, what's that? We made budget. Oh, for a long gospel? Yes. In November, Great. we were about $11,000 short. And by the end of December, we even made a little over it, which will start paying for our uh, debts in 2020. But we really want to thank uh, the, the members and um, uh, as the checks came in, one person said, well, I decided to give this much, uh, not the much, the amount I thought of because of Wes Reimnitz. <laughs> so they gave a lot, huh? Yeah, they gave more than they thought. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, what do you think I meant? <laughs> well, that was nice. Yeah, don't you run uh, into people all over the place that are listening to us? Oh, we... We picked up a whole new branch of listeners here in Springfield. In fact, they've they come and asked uh, for the uh, web address, you know, kfeo.org, and how they could archive Law and Gospel. And I said, and it, there's many other other, other uh, programs there on KFEO that they could listen to. Yes, uh, especially if they're doing Sunday school. There's a program on issues, etc., on Tuesdays done by. Oh, yeah. uh, who's that done by? Oh, that Tom Baker fellow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. God bless. Good topic. Tomorrow, open mic Friday, and we'll look forward to what you decide for next Friday or Thursday. Thank you. Okay. Thursday. God bless. Bye. And God bless to you. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.